Ana de Mer, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're looking at your paper on collaborative leadership. Can we begin by defining that term? Um, when I make a distinction between leadership and management, I always say that management is about um, coping with complexity while leadership is coping with change. Uh, we're living in a world where there is an enormous amount of change today, and so there is probably more need for leadership. And so I've been starting to think about what kind of leadership does this world that is confronted with financial crises, a growing number of knowledge workers, more globalization, etc., etc. What kind of leadership do we really need for that? And then when you talk about leadership, you often think about command and control or the heroic leader or the charismatic leader. And I find that most of the times that is about getting power over people, trying to master a group of people. And what I find is that the current um, problems that we have in our world require actually a lot more collaboration, working with each other. Um, I'm always reminded of the fact that uh, one of my first management gurus I read, and probably in those days we didn't talk about management gurus, but about uh, influential or inspirational people, was uh, Marker, Mar Mary Parker Follett, who was actually an um, anthropologist and who had studied um, tribes in Indonesia, if I well remember. And she always defined management as getting things done through a community of people, not by m having power over a community of people, but working through people. And I find that that's much more important today to get these problems solved. And that's what I mean by collaborative leadership, getting things done together with other people. Well, let's just take two of those concepts you've floated, community and command and control styles of management. How could you achieve more through a community approach rather than command and control? And why is community more suited to a global world? Uh, I would say briefly that the, the type of problems we are confronted with today are, have become very complex and very often require responses for, from many disciplines. It's not a problem today is not a finance problem or is not a, a marketing problem or is not a problem of uh, energy uh, to go into a different field, but often they're complex interconnected problems that require lots of people to work together uh, to get to a solution. They have to co act and you co-act you work together in a community and it's the community that is enriching that brings the ideas that stimulates uh, the creativity now command and control i'm not going to set it aside i can very well see that there are moments in life where you want to have command and control if you're confronted with a disaster you don't want to think you just want to get things done and then in those circumstances, it may well be that the traditional command and control structure by sort of uh, subcontracting your power to somebody else who will take the, the leadership in those dramatic moments will work. But with the very complex problems, as I said of today, and with the totally new technology that we have today actually to work together in social networks or other uh, ways of interacting, I think we can actually work in a, what I call, co-acting, working together. And, and there are some new terms within that uh, collaborative leadership model, aren't there, that you lay out, I including the word seduction, um, non-command, um, rather than that word hierarchy. 
Yes. Um, I do believe that when we talk about collaborative leadership, obviously the term collaboration is there, so we have to work together. But I think there are also three other elements that are important. That is, first of all, an ability to listen. Uh, when we talk to each other, we always have our body language, we have the non-codified language that, uh, knowledge that we have, and actually when people interact with each other, they constantly send out weak signals, not very clear signals about what they think. Sometimes they don't know themselves what they want or not want. A good leader needs to have the capability of listening to these weak si signals. The second thing is adaptation. That is, you have to be able to adapt yourself to new situations, be flexible. Uh, and then thirdly, this term that you used, seduction. Uh, once you want to get people to do things together with you, it's not simply by saying them, tell, do this, or it's not even often a very rational uh, argument you have to make. You have to seduce them into joining you in that community that we talked about earlier. And, and you also talked about how knowledge workers do need society. They very much need to, to sign up to that community uh, and collaboration within community. Why is that? Knowledge workers, by definition, are people that are characterized by the fact that they have a lot of expertise. I work here in this business school with a lot of knowledge workers, all my colleagues, and I would even say most of my students probably are knowledge workers. Uh, they have a lot of expertise and they know more about the situation, about their field of expertise by their, uh, on their discipline and their, 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 their science. They know much more about it than I do. I can only get them to work together if I can seduce them to do things together with me. Um, knowledge workers don't like a hierarchy. They want to use their expertise and be creative with it. Uh, and that's what, as a leader, you have them to do. That is, give them the space to be creative. Give them the space to deploy their knowledge and their expertise. Uh, knowledge workers don't want to have hierarchy. Was there something about the financial crisis, Arnold, that made you go back to, to Mary Parker Follett? Was there something that, that you said, well, look, um, stop, let's think about this global world, because clearly something is happening that we don't understand? It is clearly, um, uh, there are two elements to, to it, and it clearly has triggered some thinking. I'm not saying it's the only reason why I talk about collaborative leadership. But uh, the, the financial crisis has taught me, one, that um, our models we had developed, and I'm not going back to some simplistic or sim simple financial models, uh, mathematical models that we may have had, but the models that we had about uh, business, about the relationship between the financial industry and the society, these models have proved to be too limited. Um, and uh, it's probably the, the, the obviously wrong simplicity of these models that made me think about this, the complexity of the world in which we live requires a different way of thinking about how to work together and lead people. The th second uh, point that the financial crisis triggered for me is that we lived for 30 years in a period where, as I would call it, business was good. Uh, where in society, when you had a problem, you would look at how business approached these problems. And many of our role models that we had in society were business people. Uh, the financial crisis has led to a situation where society, probably rightly so, is now challenging uh, whether these models developed for business are really so valuable. Um, and that's the reason why 
I think that our students here in our MBA program or in some of our other programs have to realize that when they tomorrow manage an organization, manage a company, that they have to take into account what society thinks about them. And so that's the second reason why I think, believe in collaborative leadership, because it's collaborating with society that we have to do. And here at the Cambridge Judge Business School as well, you very much uh, get MBA students and, and MPhil students from all over the, the globe. But perhaps their need to collaborate in terms of being managers of the future is more built in to their awareness of living in a global world too. As many of our graduates will know, uh, we um, really foster a uh, climate of collaboration here within the business school. And I would even say probably this is a characteristic of the University of Cambridge in its whole. I mean, as you will know, uh, the University of Cambridge is, really doesn't exist. It's a collection of colleges, institutions, the university itself, that all have to collaborate with each other to create this wonderful institution that in the rest of the world is described as the University of Cambridge. So it's probably in our genetic pool uh, to think about collaboration. As I said, our graduates know that we, 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 we foster collaboration among them uh, through the group work, through the project work that we do. And yes, you refer to the very international composition of our, um, of our group. We have to learn from everybody here. Everybody that comes to the business school brings something unique in terms of knowledge. If we then would not listen to it and work together to learn from these other people, we would forgo such a great asset here. I mean, it, it is one of the strongest assets of uh, the Judge Business School, this diversity that we have among our students. And we need to make the best out of that diversity. And would you say that is why the Cambridge Judge Business School is innovating, in a way leading the way to the future in pioneering models like collaborative leadership? Yes, I, I'm, I strongly believe that uh, Judge Business School here at the University of Cambridge is a leader in developing this concept of collaborative leadership. Um, I've written a paper about it, and this is a very personal view that I have written down in that paper, uh, but I believe that there is actually an enormous room for research in what collaborative leadership really is. As I said, I believe it's a combination of collaboration, adaptation, uh, listening and influencing and seduction. Uh, it's, it's all kinds of different terms that we are perhaps not always that used to when we talk about traditional leadership. There's a lot of research needed to see how we uh, deploy that, how we teach that, uh, how we actually prepare the leaders of tomorrow to be managers of change or to be able to cope with change but through collaboration with others. And just briefly, at the end of every interview, we usually ask you about that term luck, because once again, you mention it at the end of your paper on collaborative leadership. Why? Well, the, I always argue that um, in a world that is characterized by a high degree of uncertainty, you cannot always predict what is going to happen, and you have to prepare yourself for the known unknowns and an unknown unknowns that are happening out there in the world. Um, people that are able to react quickly to that, that are able to use the limited or big expertise that they have to cope with these unforeseen circumstances, very often when they are successful, um, they believe they, they were lucky. Uh, I believe there is something like luck, a coincidence of circumstances, but... Um, 
as this uh, French dictator Napoleon Bonaparte ever said when he was asked how to choose his generals. He said, I choose the one that has consistently more luck than the other ones. I think that's a little bit uh, true for um, managers in general. You can prepare yourself to be lucky. Honoured Demur, thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. Thank you. Thank you very much.